Well, hello, Bible Love listeners. So we are recording this on Valentine's Day, which, I mean, we love the Bible, right? That's the name of our podcast. It's the day all about love. So I found this prayer um, that you we thought we would share with you all. Um, it is a prayer on St. Valentine's Day. So the Lord be with you. And also with you. Loving Father, I pray for an open heart and mind so that I may recognize and be grateful for all the love in my life. I pray that I might find a new sense of wholeness, joy, and peace in your love. Remove all obstacles so that I may grow in love throughout my life. Give me the grace to trust in your loving plan for me so that whatever my circumstances over the course of my life, I may know that I am not alone, that I am loved by you, my loving Father, who is full of tenderness, mercy, and compassion. Amen. Amen. You know, um, Alan, I think sometimes we think Valentine's Day is all about um, couples and all that stuff. And it is. I mean, I get that. But I have a lot of Valentines in my life, people that show me God's love. Alan is one of those. My husband is one of those. I have a lot. My parents. I'm sure your kids. Right. So, like, we have to remember Valentine's Day is not all about the gushy, gushy stuff, but is about sharing God's love, too. Like we should every day, right? Yeah. And this is a soapbox of mine. Um, okay. Not Valentine's Day, box. whatever. Valentine's, right? Like if we want to go be a martyr and do whatever, like St. Valentine did. Um, right? Like holidays can be hard for a variety of reasons, right? Like Mother's Day is hard for some people. Father's Day is hard for some people, be- either because of unfulfilled desires of their own. On- Day, don't you? I mean, you, that's Do hard what? for you. Struggle Father's, on Father's Day. Day. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, since my dad has died, Father's Day has taken on different meaning. But right, like I think sometimes this is me being. I'm going to upset some people. I think we in the Episcopal yeah, Church. <laughs> I think we in the Episcopal Church sometimes go overboard in mm-hmm. being sensitive to the folks for whom a day is hard. Yeah, which I'm not saying we shouldn't be. But we go so far as to not even encourage folks to celebrate a day they enjoy. Right. right? Like we go so much in saying, I know Mother's Day might be hard, right? Like Mother's Day might be hard, but like we still need to honor mothers, like sure. actual mothers, right? Like, um, and for Father's Day, right? Father, I'm also a dad. Like I can hold two thoughts in my mind that Father's Day sucks because my dad's dead, but Father's Day is wonderful because I am a dad. Right. Yeah. And so whatever, I you just set me off. Yeah. This is one of my soapboxes right now. Like I think in the Episcopal church, like we so much want to cater to folks who are struggling, which we should, right? Please hear me say we should, but I almost feel like we try to make people feel bad if they're celebrating. Yeah. I can totally get on board with you on that. I hear what you're saying, and I think that's true. So today is Valentine's Day. Let's celebrate the love, no matter what that looks like, right? 
And that's really sorry about that tangent. No, hey, that's a good tangent. You're right. How do we how do we find the middle ground? You know, we are via media in the Episcopal Church. How do we find the middle ground? So I'm with you. I'm totally on board. And I just want to say Happy Valentine's Day to those that it might be hard for, and for those that it might be good for. How about that? (laughs) There you go. Cover all bases. There we go. No, but I think this is an important conversation. when we talk about David, because if you want to talk about someone who's incredibly complicated in scripture, yeah. David is literally the poster boy, right? He is the person who um, is described as being after God's own heart, but he's also after women. Yeah. Right. He's, he's also he's, after he's, like revenge. He's also after his own selfish desires. And so, right. Like if we as humans can sometimes struggle with, both and and two sides of a coin. Like David is the person who epitomizes that. I think that's um, totally true. So just for the listeners, set it up just a minute. So today we're talking about first Samuel sixteen, three thirty-one, finishing up first Samuel. And you're right, God always works in mysterious ways. Your tangent kind of led us right in to David. Uh-huh. And that's a good one. Which is David is kind of the 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 main character in this little section of first Samuel. So talk about it a little bit. Tell us. Tell me yeah. So it starts off and everyone probably knows these first stories, chapter 16 and 17. Then you get into some other stuff we don't usually talk about much. Right. Um, so 16 starts, the Lord said to Samuel, how long will you grieve over Saul? I rejected him from being King. So Samuel goes on a hunt for the heir, a parent, and he goes, um, to Jesse and he says, okay, bring me your sons. And all these people line up and he goes down the line. He's like, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough, not good enough. And then he goes back to Jesse and he's like, you have anyone else out there? And then Jesse shrugs his shoulders, right? And he's like, well, there's this one. Mm-hmm. And so they go and get him. He's in the field. Um, he's with the sheep or something it says. So he's out working and he comes and, Right. Like he's not big and powerful and strong. Like the whole shtick here is it's kind of like we can talk about Marvel movies. Like I can talk about Marvel movies all day. And so I think about Captain America. Right. Right. And so Captain America, we know at the end of the story is this big and strong and leader and like the epitome of American machismo. Right. But you go back to the beginning and he's this scrawny kid who like, gets rejected from the army. And so David here in 16 and even 17 is kind of like Steve Rogers before the serum serum. So he's like, not the first choice is what we should say, which I think is not at all to like, when you think about God's call for you in ministry, you know, sometimes the people that you think, should be this or that or whatever, sort of the leader. It's not always that person. It's the person that you wouldn't think, not the big, strong, big voice, you know, the Marvel movie guy, whatever. Um, but sort of the guy that's out in the field and is the last choice and is actually the one that the dad's kind of like, yeah, there's one more son, you know, let me tell you about him. Um, that's sort of interesting, right? Yeah. And it's also not the person who's raising their hand saying, I'm the one, I'm the one, I'm the one, right? Like, Yes. Like if someone comes to me and says, you know, I know I'm called to be whatever 
a priest or whatever. Or, right, like when bishop elections come around and someone's like way too eager. Yeah. Right. Like that's a sign to me, at least. And that's a part of my discernment. If someone thinks they are so prepared for something that they're ready for it. I um, totally agree. I mean, it, it's the person who, who has the tools and is equipped to do it, but like is looking for the community to affirm something or is just, I don't know, maybe that. Well, even both of us in our calls to be priests, we were not the ones standing up going, me, 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 pick me. You know, we both really had to be pushed into that, into that. And not even just in the priesthood. I mean, in, in just a lot of things, like, I always love it, actually, when people are kind of like, I'm not so sure. And then I can help them affirm what I'm seeing or what God is calling them to do. And I think David, as flawed as David is, which is a good thing because we're all flawed, right? And we can all see a little bit of ourselves in this. I like that he was not the the number one choice, you know? Um, And David has a very significant role, obviously. Everybody knows who David is, right? I mean, he was the king. He was in charge. He was the dude for a long, long, long time. So there's something to be said about this really flawed guy who was even flawed when he became king, right? He still messed up all the time, but that's the one that was chosen. Something pretty significant about that. Yeah, and I also think, you know, that's, we could spend a whole episode on just his call. Um, but you know, the story quickly moves into David and Goliath, right? Mm-hmm. And this is, if anyone knows anything about David, they know this story because we had the flannel boards in Sunday school and we had, you know, the five smooth stones, all of this. And right. Like there's, you know, as a grown up, like I can read this story differently than I did as like an eight year old who thought it was this cool action thing where this guy like threw a rock and knocked out this big guy. But here, right, like no one wanted to do it. No one thought like mm-hmm. that it was possible. Um, even like when David is like, why not? I'll do it. Then I love Saul says to him in 37, go and may the Lord be with you. <laughs> and I see this kind of like, good luck, brother. You got this, uh, baby. May God, God hold your hand. Yeah. <laughs> but as I read through this, I think, right, like, David knew the Lord was on his side. And I sense, like, a frustration from David that, like, why does no one else think God can actually do what God is going to do? Mm-hmm. And so I'm scrawny, and this armor you're going to give me is going to be huge and falling off of me. But, like, it's actually not about me and my abilities. It's about my my trust in God's faithfulness. Mm-hmm. Why the heck can any of you trust in God's faithfulness? Yeah. And, you know, I'm always trying to like bring it back to today. And I think that is so true in what, and how we're living our life and what we're doing in this time of pandemic and unrest and all that stuff. Like, why can't we be the ones that um, stand up and say, I have faith in God that this is going to be okay, you know, and that I can do this. I have to be reminded of that myself all the time. I mean, listeners, you know this, but Alan and I are both rectors of um, churches that are about the same size. And, you know, we worry about finances. We worry about buildings. We worry about people. We worry about our ability to do this, right? We're both in our early 40s and somehow God has put us in this like place to be in charge, right? 
And do we have all those gifts and talents? Maybe, maybe not. But for whatever reason, God has put us here. And we have to be the ones that say, I'm faithful, just like David was. Even though I might be going up against a big hill, a big battle, I might have to be completely out of my comfort zone. I got to have faith. But man, that's so hard to do, isn't it, Alan? Like every day, I'm like, God, give me the faith. Give me the trust. Do it. I mean, the biggest assurance I have is that, like, St. Martin's can survive me. Oh, yeah. Sure. Right? Like, no matter what I do, like, this place will survive because God has a plan for this place. No matter how much I get in the way or what, hopefully I don't. I know I have folks that listen. I don't plan to get in the way of what God is doing here. (laughs) But, right, this place has survived tension and disagreement and struggles church of the resurrection survived nicholas beasley (laughs) i love nicholas that was a joke we love you nicholas yeah but you're right these institutions are built for beyond us that's right it survived before us and it flourished before us and it will flourish and survive after us and so but you know i'm just gonna bring in our our own personal like maybe i shouldn't speak for you but my own personal like fears and worries and, you know, am I helping them and am I hurting them? Am I loving them the correct way? And such a good source of that is, and I I don't, I always want to go to the New Testament, to Jesus, to Jesus, to Jesus. But I mean, David did that right here. You know, he went up against a beast, anyone. And I think the day that we feel like, or the day that I feel like I've got this figured out and it's kind of go like, that's the day I need to retire. Yeah. And right. I mean, a little, a little bit of fear, too. like a little bit of fear, a little bit of struggle, right? That's when I think we're most creative. That's when I think we're most energetic. That's when I think people operate, at least I operate at my best. And I sense that in David, right? Like he trusted in God's faithfulness. Um, he was also probably a little scared when he went up against Goliath. <laughs> So then after this big defeat over Goliath, he actually goes to Saul sort of for the first time. So I'm like in chapter 18 or yeah, chapter 18 and they have this conversation um, and it's, and then Jonathan is sort of brought in and um, I'm sure there's this wavering that, okay, so I just, I just beat this huge beast. I won. I sort of proved myself but still, I got to take over this kingdom, you know, which is a big, big deal. And, you know, and, and from Saul, who'd been this leader, and what does that look like? And they weren't in the same lineage, right? They were in separate lineages. Just to back up readers or listeners just for a second, if you remember, Jesse, who is David's father, was the grandson of Ruth, right? So this brings us back into Ruth. Um, and, and setting up that lineage. And then, of course, Jesus will come from David's lineage when we get to the New Testament. So this is kind of important stuff here. Um, although we can roll our eyes at the lineage, it is nice to see sort of where it all falls into place, right? So yeah. what, are your, what are your thoughts on, on 18 and um, 19? Yeah, I mean, it kind of sets in motion 18 right? It's after the success of David and it sets in motion kind of the rest of the book. The rest of the book is kind of a chase sequence. Um, it's a war movie. And, you know, 18 verse seven, the women sang to one another as they made merry. Saul has killed his thousands, 
but David has his ten thousands. And that pissed Saul off. Yeah, he's jealous, right? And that's like the rest of the book is Saul and his anger. You know, then it says the next day an evil spirit from God, which there's probably a lot to unpack in there, an evil spirit from God. Um then he made Saul. Saul's daughter. Yeah. yeah, this is crazy. Like Saul loses his mind. <laughs> this roller coaster almost. Yeah. I mean, Saul loses his mind. And of course, you know, David was playing the liar as he did day by day, right? Like David's this weird character, right? Like he goes and beats this giant and then he's like plucking the guitar. You're Why a weird dude. <laughs> no big deal. But yeah, like Saul is just this evil spirit of God, whatever that means, right? It's jealousy. It's bitterness. And like he spends the rest of the book trying to kill David and like (laughs) what is it like they were on the same side and then something happened here and Saul right so I think about this with my kids Uh, my kids are never content with what they have because they always know what the other has Mm. right Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, this is probably a parenting fail and it's something we work on, right? Like jealousy is hard. I get jealous, right? We struggle with jealousy. And so it's hard for us to be content with what we have when we see what other people have. Yeah. So here's Saul, right? Until these women start chanting this thing, Saul's probably fine. I mean, it says, you know, Saul set him over the army, all the people, even the servants of Saul approved. So, like, everyone's celebrating this victory, including kind of Saul's people and ostensibly Saul. And then these women are like, Saul, you've done this, but David has done this. And, like, almost like a flip of a switch. Saul's like, to hell with that. I know. And and what went wrong here is humanness, right? Like, that jealousy, that, you know, this, that, or whatever. I mean, I feel that even you brought up Nicholas a minute ago. Love you Nicholas, so much. But like, I feel that way sometimes when people are like, I was really close to Nicholas. And I'm like, well, why aren't you close to me? You know, I'm your rector too. You know, and they're not saying that, but I find that within there. You know what I mean? Um, that's just who, who we are as humans, right? We, we, we find some part that just wants it to be about us. Or, and not about God. And I have to switch my brain the second I hear that and go, that is not what they're saying. This is about God. This is, you know, you're making it about you. But that's exactly what happened here, right? Saul was just being a human and being like, dude, I did a lot. And now you're like praising this other guy, you know, um, which is totally normal. Very yeah. human. And that, I mean, that's the most human, right? It's like, I struggle. I know people who struggle when a nice thing happens to someone else, mm. right? Like we, we both enjoy that for them. Like we can rejoice with them, but then there's also, what about me? Yeah. Right. Like and then at least for me, like that's this whole shame spiral, right? Like, absolutely. well, crap, I shouldn't feel this way. And so I feel bad about feeling this way. And then I feel bad about feeling bad. And it becomes this whole deal. And, you know, jealousy is not jealousy is not at its core a bad thing. 
right? God is a jealous God. And so if God has the quality of jealousy, jealousy isn't bad. Yeah. Right? It's our reaction to it. Like one striving for something or any of those things can be healthy. It's when we let it eat us alive. Yeah. I'll never forget like in my late twenties, early thirties, when all my friends were getting married and I was not even dating anybody. And I remember being so happy for them, but also that exact word she used a minute ago. Why is this not happening to me? Why can I not find this person? Or you think about um, people that want to be parents, right? And everybody's getting pregnant and you're going to baby showers and blah, 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 blah. And you're like, why is this not happening to me? You know, um, all of those kind of things. It's, it is. But I also think you're right in that jealousy is not bad because what it does is it brings it back, brings us back to our knees and makes us go, God, please help me work through this. Let me help let this go. Bring the right person into my life. Bring that baby into my life, whatever it needs, however it needs to be. You know, so I, I appreciate some of those emotions that we might look at as bad is that they always bring us back to God and in more relationship with God, which I think is yeah. a very yeah. good thing. Yeah. Feelings aren't bad. Feelings are feelings. Right. And like, it's what we do with those. And I think about jealousy, right? Like, and you hinted at it. There's those things for which our heart longs. Right. Right. And some of that is jealousy. Um, and some of that's just our heartfelt desire for something. Feelings are feelings, right? They're kind of neutral. It's how we act on them. There's healthy ways to deal with jealousy. There's obviously unhealthy ways, as the rest of First Samuel describes, right. to deal with jealousy. Um, but I think we get so caught up. I get so caught up in, I have a feeling, I have a reaction, I have an emotion. And that sets off. Like Then like I get so caught up in the emotion. And like, why am I feeling this way? Which that processing is good, but like... What is it about my feeling or emotion that, like, what's it saying about what I want or what I should do? So if we treat it as kind of a trigger for action in a positive sense, I think that's a healthy way to deal with some of these emotions that sometimes cause us to flip out a little bit. And it always makes, I hope for you and I know for me, it always makes me go to God, which is exactly what I need to do. So just to keep going a little bit in this, so you're right, like a lot of the rest of this um, that we're talking about, and actually this is the end of Samuel, the first book of Samuel, is um, a lot of jealousy, um, Samuel's actual death, um, David saving some trees, um, (laughs) he actually spares Saul's life and has respect for him. Um, twice, twice, right. Um, David, um, you know, has, has these different women that sort of come into his life. Um, I don't even know what we could say about that. Uh, Uh, We'll have a lot to say in a couple of weeks when we talk about Bathsheba. When we get into second Samuel more, but, um, sort of these rejections as David is the king. Um, and then, um, Saul, and all of his children die as well. And so when that happens, really that sort of elevates David um, 
living into his true calling. Um, and I know I like went through that really quickly. Um, and I, I'm not trying to say that they're not all important, but it's all this sort of setting up for what will happen when we get into second Samuel is David's reign. Right. I mean, would you say that's true? Yeah. I mean, this, he's in the position he's in to be king because the king and all the heirs are dead. And you know, it's really interesting because then you think about the two times that David spared Saul's life, right? David had every motivation to take care of business, yeah. right? It would put him closer to the line. It would put him, right? Like he had the support of every, like it would have benefited David greatly for Saul to be out of the picture. Yeah. Um, he didn't do that twice. And then here, right? Like, I mean, part of 31 is like Jonathan is in the position he's in because of his relationship with David. And so Jonathan's death is kind of as a result or at least connected to his relationship with David and Saul and all his kids. Once they're gone, then that clears the deck for, for David to take over. And that's what we get to pretty quickly in a couple of weeks with second Samuel. Um, Yeah. yeah. Reign of David. And so we have um, some exciting uh, The my Old Testament professor from uh, Seminary of the Southwest is going to be here um, to talk about who I have referred to several times on this podcast is going to be here to talk to us about um, the second book of Samuel. And I'm excited to get his thoughts. But before that, actually, next week, we have a, a guest I'm super excited about. Um, the right Reverend Andy Dahl, who is the Bishop of Texas, and he's going to talk to us about scripture in general and what that's meant for in his life. But as we wrap up this first Samuel, you know, I've been thinking about this a lot, Alan, and there's all these wars, there's all these like human emotions, jealousy, love, affairs, who's going to be the king, who's not, all these different call stories, all these prophets who have a a name that starts with S, Samuel, Saul, you know, I get them all confused, Um, which I think is perfectly normal because we're all, it's a lot, it's a lot to keep up. But when you think about the Bible and the importance of this, and Tony kind of um, said this for us as well, when he was talking about the early part of Samuel, like what do, or the overview of Samuel, what do we as Christians and followers of God sort of get out of this? And I'd love your thoughts on this, but for me, it's, I always go back to sort of the humanness of these folks and, um, you know, thinking about going back to Hannah and Saul and Samuel and David and all these people, they really were humans and they all needed God's help, right? Just like we do. They couldn't get through this life without God's help. What, are, what do you think some of that from Samuel is? What can yeah, you- I, yeah, I think the way God relates with us. So if you think about this, right, like the people of God at this point are kind of in adolescence, right? They've yeah. been formed and they've followed God. And now there's a little stirring. And I got a teenager and he left to his own devices is going to make dumb decisions because a 13-year-old brain makes dumb decisions, mm-hmm. right? And so the people of God, are going to make dumb decisions because that's kind of where they are in their development as a people. Um, and 
the way God relates with them is like a parent. Yeah. You want a king? You see everyone else has a king and peer pressure is getting to you and you want to try this? Yeah. Right. God's with them the whole way. Right. And that it's kind of the balance with parenting, right. Is letting our kids have a little more tether to make their own mistakes, but knowing mom and dad are always there. Mm -hmm. Like I'm 42 years old and I rest in the assurance that my mom is there. Yeah, sure. Right. And so Ford and Walker, like they're going to screw up, but they're going to know that mom and dad are there. Just like we have a little more leash um, as the people of God, but we have to remember God is there. Mm -hmm. So when we try to get a king and this whole thing goes crazy because like the king tries to kill the person who would be king, all of this, right? The soap opera, God is there even when we're actively screwing up the process. Well, I think... That's the best way to end it, right, is today is um, God is there, listeners. Don't forget that. God's there. Alan and I are here, but most importantly, God is there. And so we love you, but most importantly, God does. 